This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. This past week, Education Next released the results from its 11th annual survey of a representative sample of over 4,000 members of the American public with oversamples of parents and teachers. The survey shows declining support for charters, drop in opposition to vouchers and tax credits, support for Common Core stabilizing, and many other things. But for me, the most surprising finding is the change in opinion with respect to after-school clubs formed by Muslim students. Now, to analyze this question, Education X divided the sample into randomly selected groups of students. One asked about religious students in general, while another group was asked specifically about Muslim students. In this way, we could see whether people thought about Muslim students different from religious students in general. Specifically, Education Next asked, do you support or oppose allowing a group of religious students to organize an after-school club at your local public school? The other group was asked exactly the same question, except for the fact that they were asked about Muslim students. To discuss our results, I have with me today our editor-in-chief, Martin West. Uh, Marty, thank you very much for joining me on the Education Exchange. It's great to have the chance to be here, Paul. So before we get to Muslim students, can we discuss briefly why Education Next asked about religious clubs at all? <laughs> this is not a hot-button topic in the news these days, so what's it doing in the questionnaire? Well, it's not a hot-button topic today, uh, but it is a real-world issue that comes up, and it came up uh, – enough that it rose to the attention of the Supreme Court back in 2001 in a case uh, known as Good News Club versus Milford Central School District. And uh, in that case, the Supreme Court said that a group of evangelical students that had been told that they cannot uh, use a school facility to um, uh, organize a religiously oriented student club in after school hours, uh, that their right to the free exercise of their religion had been violated. And so schools uh, are currently obligated to provide that type of access to all students, regardless of their religious denomination. And so back in 2008, we decided to try to uh, gauge American support for this policy, uh, both overall by referring generically to religious students, but then, you know, to see how, I guess, consistent Americans were to the underlying principles by asking them, would they say the same thing if we ask about Muslims, for example, or about atheists or about Mormons? And so that's how it first got on our survey. I think it got on it again this year because we realized that this was one opportunity to see how views towards Muslims in particular uh, could have changed. And obviously there's been a lot in the real world over the past Uh, year in particular, that has led people to speculate that Americans' tolerance for uh, Muslims has uh, reduced. So uh, accidentally, we had a question back in 2008 that allows us to tap into whether or not uh, public opinion with respect to Muslims has changed in a substantial way. So in 2008, we found that 58% supported religious clubs. Forget about the Muslims for the moment, just religious clubs. 58% support, 10% oppose. Only 10% oppose. Now, nine years later, 
The support stays about the same. It's 55%, but the opposition climbs to 23%. Now, why do you think that opposition to religious clubs increased between 2008 and 2017? Well, I think we have to be a little bit careful in interpreting that jump in opposition because we have made some changes to the way in which we design the survey uh, between 2008 and 2017. And one of those changes that was that we've changed where among the set of options that respondents see uh, this uh, neutral category is placed. And so now it's placed. So the, at the neutral end. category is. Is saying, I, I don't have an opinion one way or the other. I neither support nor am imposed to the concept of, in this case, allowing religious students to uh, form an after school club. Um, and so I think by moving the placement of that category, uh, we may have uh, artificially led fewer respondents to take a neutral position. Um, but in this case, that seems to have shifted more people into the opposition bucket than into the support bucket. It's, so it's, I'm not sure I'm willing to say that tolerance for religious groups in general has declined, but it is interesting that uh, – that you saw the increase on the opposition side rather than the support side. Um, and, you know, it may reflect some uh, ongoing secularization of, of Americans' views. Well, especially since the increase in opposition is concentrated on the Democratic side of the aisle. So the increase in opposition is 18 percentage points for Democrats, mm -hmm. seven points for Republicans. So e either the parties are polarizing or... They, and maybe the Democrats are becoming more secularized or maybe the Democrats are, you know, becoming increasingly concerned about the uh, role of religion in politics and mm -hmm. in society more generally. Yeah, no, I, I think uh, I, I think that's likely the case. I just want to urge caution uh, because I think while we need to be cautious about that overall claim, I think the pattern of results we see with respect to the Muslim students provides a much clearer picture. So let's get to the Muslim club. So in 2008, 27% of the public uh, said that kids should have the right to form such clubs. 23% uh, opposed this. Uh, so a so big chunk undecided, but pretty even split between yeah, support and 50% are not going to take any position. It's sort of evenly split. Now, fast forward to 2017, 19, nine years later, support goes up 18 percentage points to 45%. Support for Muslim clubs jumps. It just about doubles. Just not quite, but just about doubles. And opposition creeps up about four percentage points. Now, it could be because we moved the neutral position from the middle to the bottom selection, but that's a big change. So why do you think that's going on? Well, uh, I'm not sure I have a definitive explanation, but it is interesting. Uh, you referred to the partisan breakdown for religious students in general, that we do see that this increase in tolerance or acceptance uh, is uh, concentrated among Democrats, right? So uh, they saw a big shift in um, their tolerance of Muslim club formation uh, by 24 percentage points. So um, Yeah, from 31 to 55 percent, that's a pretty massive increase. And it's interesting. Democrats are now more tolerant of Muslim clubs in particular than they are of religious clubs in general. 
uh, so and of evangelical clubs in particular so, as well. So do they really mean it, or are they just snubbing Donald Trump? It, it, uh, it could be the case that they are reacting to Donald Trump, but the reaction to him uh, seems to have been one of uh, heightening their at least stated commitment to the principle of tolerance. Uh, I, I like to take people at their word. And, and you know, Trump has never, um, never made this an issue. It's not like this is Common Core mm -hmm. or vouchers. He's never taken a position on Muslim student clubs. We don't know what his position is on that. So, um, but, but certainly a lot of his rhetoric over the course of the campaign would seem to have called into question or, or suggested that uh, increased immigration from Muslim countries, at least, could pose a threat to the security of, of the United States. Yeah, but and the, of course, I think it's equally interesting is that there's no significant change among Republicans. That's right. They were, you know, sort of equally balanced between support and opposition in 2008. They're equally balanced between support and opposition in 2017. So he's not mobilizing the Republicans in any one direction or another. And that's why you get this big swing in public opinion as a whole. So if you get a, a huge swing among Democrats, no change among Republicans, you're gonna have a big broad change in public opinion, which is sort of uh, a very unusual event. Yeah, and you do see that Republicans are, uh, though you say they haven't um, become any less tolerant of Muslims uh, by this indicator, uh, they are less tolerant of Muslim student clubs than they are of religious student clubs in general or of evangelical student clubs, which I think does call into question to some degree their commitment to the principle of religious tolerance. Yeah, that's a fair point. Now, uh, to take the immigration issue or the bilingual education issue, uh, which is related to immigration, as, a, as another window on this whole subject, and that is we find that when we ask people whether or not a child should be educated in the language of the home or in the English language initially, uh, we find that a substantial majority would like to do English immersion. You, you're going to be taught in English as soon as you arrive at school. Uh, and we don't find much difference between Democrats and Republicans. We find some, but it's not a massive difference between the two. Uh, so how do, you, how do you relate that to this? Is this, is, this another, is this another thing that's going on because of the Trump phenomenon? Well, that's an issue we haven't asked about previously, so it's hard to, to know. Um, as you say, we do find very clear majorities in favor of um, you might call English-only instruction or uh, ensuring that students who are English language learners are placed first in English-speaking classrooms. Uh, what's interesting to me about that result is that, at least in uh, some states, policy has recently moved in the opposite direction. So California, after having banned bilingual education for a number of years recently, voters there reversed that policy. Um, and I I'm not sure that's inconsistent with what we're finding, though, because really in California, the question to voters was whether teachers, schools, should have the ability to decide whether they thought one environment was right for a given child, not, you know, not necessarily what that environment should be. Well, um, and, you, and the parents have to agree to it. Yeah. So there's something in that 
uh, new law that's in place and just going to be put into place this coming fall in California that says if parents want it, they are to be given that mm -hmm. education. Now that's, if you, under the old proposition 127, I think it was called, 227, yeah. that <laughs> under the old proposition, uh, the parents could request it. Now the parents, if they do request it, it must be provided. So, you know, it's a more of an incremental change in California than it sometimes is presented in the news media. But I think one of the things we learned from that uh, set of questions that we asked about instruction for English language learners was that it didn't make much of a difference whether we primed respondents to think about immigrant students in particular as opposed to uh, uh, other American residents who uh, were, yeah, were learning in, English. Yeah, in the one version of the question, we just say, should children who uh, come from homes where English is not spoken yeah. as their native tongue? And then in the second version of the question, we say, should immigrant children? So the only change in the question is the insertion of the word immigrant before the word children. Mm -hmm. And as you say, the results are exactly the same, whichever way it is phrased. So that... To, you know, that's a very interesting point that, you know, the public is not sort of aroused against immigrants uh, in general, in principle. They're, they have strong positions on specific issues, but they, the idea that Americans are, are really, uh, you, you, when you say the word immigrant, you're w holding a red flag in, in people's face. That's really not what we find. At least for, I guess, broad swath of the American public. And I think that's where uh, um, some people would resist that sweeping a conclusion by knowing that there certainly are some segments of the public who um, are reacting very strongly against proposals to increase immigration, uh, or, uh, you know, debates about whether yeah, or not to enough. cut and, it. Yeah, fair enough. And we could actually do more work with this question to see if we can identify any groups that do react to the uh, immigrant, and we haven't done that part of the uh, analysis at this point. Well, uh, you always learn something on uh, education exchange, <laughs> and uh, I learned a lot by chatting with you about this, uh, Marty, and thank you very much for joining me today. This is uh, Paul Peterson. I've been speaking with Martin West, the editor-in-chief for Education Next, uh, professor in the Graduate School of Education at Harvard University. Uh, thank you, Marty, for joining me. It's been a pleasure. This is Paul Peterson, Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noontime when the next podcast will be released. <laughs>